This is Faith in Action, the program that looks at how people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is a production of Catholic Radio Indy. Now here's today's program. This is Faith in Action on Catholic Radio. I'm Jim Ganley. Our co-host is Bridget Ayer. Hello, hello. And Bridget, it is still news, so we do want to tell people again uh, about the Spanish language programming that we've added to our, our website. If you go to catholicradioindy.org, catholicradioindy.org, you'll see over on the right-hand side a little button that says Habla Español, and if you click on that, uh, you'll go to 24-hour-a-day Catholic radio and TV programming in Spanish, uh, Catholic programming in Spanish 24-7 just by clicking on that. And so uh, maybe you're not a Spanish speaker, but you probably have some friends or neighbors or people at church that you could share that with and maybe even share it with the people at your parish offices. They're always looking for tools to... Uh, minister to their Hispanic population. So Catholic Radio Indy, I-N-D-Y, dot O-R-G, and click on the Habla Español button, and uh, Spanish programming. Wow, 24-7. And you mentioned about sharing things. Um, if you are on the Facebook platform, uh, so are we. We have the official Catholic Radio Indy Facebook platform. We're almost up to a 1,000 uh, followers, and you can get... Uh, content on demand there and other things that are going on here in Catholic Radio Indy. So you want to follow us there, uh, the official Catholic Radio Indy page on Facebook. So do that. Um, all right. Well, you know, we've been talking a lot about the COVID virus. I guess we all have been lately. And here on Faith in Action, we've covered health aspects. We've covered the reopening of churches and how ministries are operating under the new COVID uh, pandemic situation. Well, today we're going to be talking about COVID's impact on the economy. And joining us is Dr. Matthew Will. He is the Director of External Relations um, and the Associate Professor of Finance for the School of Business at the University of Indianapolis. So, uh, Dr. Will, th well, thanks for being with us and welcome to Faith in Action. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here again. I always Love being on the show and talking about economics, finance, and my faith. <laughs> yeah, and you are you are a Catholic. You're now you uh, go to Holy Rosary. Is that correct? Yes, we go downtown and enjoy the parish very much. Now you sent over a really big long bio, so uh, why don't you give us? <laughs> don't, don't read that. Don't. <laughs> I did read it. I did read it, and you're doing all sorts of stuff. But tell us a little bit about your background to give our audience a, a bit of a perspective of what um, what you bring to the table in this conversation. Yeah, so um, I appreciate that question, and I'll, I'll try to make it um, not boring for the folks. But um, actually, I'm a, a, an accidental professor. I, I didn't plan to be a professor. I didn't want to be one in life. Um, I, I'm a military brat. I grew up all over the world, and uh, my dad was a sergeant in the Air Force. Uh, he then became a deacon in the Catholic Church. And uh, I went to Indiana University, came back to Indiana once the high school began. Um, I didn't live here until then. I got my bachelor's degree from IU in Bloomington, my MBA from Bloomington as well. I went off to private industry for a number of years, um, did work for a private equity company, an insurance company, lived in San Francisco, Baltimore, eventually decided to start teaching uh, because that we changed our lifestyles so that we wanted to be more family-friendly, and that was a much more family-friendly career path for me. I started teaching at Johns Hopkins University, 
in Baltimore, Maryland. It was a, a wonderful place, one of the best schools in the world. And I started teaching there. Uh, we moved to Indiana about 20 years ago, and I started teaching at the University of Indianapolis. Uh, it is a uh, United Methodist-affiliated uh, school, and that really appealed to me. I liked that aspect. My doctorate is from Anderson University right here in Indiana. Um, and the reason I chose that is because it is a faith-based institution as well. And so faith integration was a very important part of our education there. And so when I was pursuing my doctorate, uh, that was an important component for me. And I'm, I'm so happy to have done that. And so, that, you know, that's my – I do a lot of things on the side. I write books. Um, I used to have my own radio show. I do TV interviews. Um, I'm on the, the board of directors for Cathedral High School. I'm also on the board of directors for Crystal House International. We run schools all around the world. And I'm on a bunch of other boards, like so many people are. And, you know, God has blessed me. So my wife and I have decided it's our job to uh, give back in, in many ways that uh, more than God has given us. So that's kind of where I stand. Well, that's that's really awesome. You're not an um, economist who's Catholic. It sounds like you're a Catholic economist. So talk a little bit about your faith and how that how that informs what you do, and I guess in terms of all your roles. You know, I always like to talk about my faith, but I, I don't get to on a regular basis in my job. Mm-hmm. So things like this really are, are wonderful for me to do that. Um, in the, you know, I'm a believer that uh, capitalism and the Catholic faith are very much uh, consistent with each other. You know, there's a, a big misperception that socialism is consistent with the Catholic faith, and that's um, from the teachings of the Church that is absolutely and unequivocally wrong. Um, anybody that knows Catholic teaching just has to go back to read Rerum Novarum, mm-hmm. and they, they would find instantly that it's explicit um, that when it says, to remedy these wrongs, the socialists working on the poor man's envy of the rich are striving to do away with private property. And it goes on to say socialism is explicitly contradictory to Catholic teaching. Um, and so I, I really embrace that concept. And I think a lot of people who are capitalists like to embrace that concept also, but they, they like to ignore the rest of Rerum Novarum and some of the other encyclicals that talked about how we need to be charitable until it hurts. And so, you know, I, I, like, to, I like to say the goal of a Catholic is to work really hard, um, be, become very rich, and then give it all away. So that, that's your goal in life. <laughs> well, I want to, uh, we're talking with Dr. Matthew Will. He's the Director of External Relations and Associate Professor of Finance for the School of Business at Indiana, at the University of Indianapolis. And I want, you kind of answered that in the first, I guess in the second question there, as it relates to the Catholic faith and um, socialism, um, or rather the Catholic faith and capitalism and how those two are compatible. So obviously, um, I'm going to ask you this. Actually, Bridget, I'll tell you, not how they're they're completely incompatible, because, you know, I'll, I'll you know, one of the other quotes in Rerum Novarum is that, you know, it says that the, it is the main tenets of socialism, which is the community of goods, must be utterly rejected. And so when you talk, you hear, you know, the, the rioters out there claiming that they want to eliminate capitalism and create this communal society, it's, we as Catholics must reject that. It, it is not a question, it's a matter of, of Catholic doctrine that that must be rejected. So... 
I guess my point was capitalism and the Catholic Church are compatible, correct? Very much so. Okay. They're very compatible, um, but we need to be aware that, as even Pope Francis has said recently, that does not mean selfishness. Right. Um, you know, when, when the former Pope wrote Charity and Truth, he was very adamant that you must be involved in, in giving away your earthly possessions, and you must consider them that of the community. Now, they didn't say it community as in it belongs to community, but you must give it to those people in need, and to, to hoard it yourself is a sin. So obviously there's dangers in capitalism that, that you're mentioning right there with being selfish. So, so I'm guessing that, do you believe that government spending is the answer, or do you have more of a laissez-faire perspective? And I think you kind of answered that, but talk about that a little bit in terms of your perspective as it relates to the economy. Sure. I, I mean, I, there is a role of government. There's no doubt. And in fact, I'm sure we'll talk about it here in a little bit. Yep. And that is with the COVID situation. And, you know, the, the, when the government made a mandate that government that gov- companies must do certain things, then they have an obligation to, to make the, the entity whole. You can't deprive someone of income and then not re- reimburse them for that what you just did to them. But no, the, the, less, the less government, the better. And it's not a matter of opinion, it's just a matter of fact. When you look at history, those attempts to equalize income and create this, you know, communist, socialism, equal outcomes for all has created the biggest gaps. The, 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 the eight years prior to um, President Trump coming to office, we saw a huge expansion of socialist policies the government policies, yet the wealth gap expanded. Since he's been in office, we've seen an elimination of a lot of those policies, and the wealth gap has decreased. Why? Yeah, why? Because whenever the government intervenes, and whenever they try to redistribute wealth, people with means can avoid it. So all these people moving out of of, uh, New York to go to Florida, they have the ability to do that. So the people who remain behind are the low-income folks who do not have the ability to escape the economic oppression that's being forced on everyone else. So in an attempt to equalize income through redistribution, you actually make the problem worse. Uh, There's no society in history that has a greater average wealth and a lower dispersion of wealth than the United States, and it's because of our capitalist society. Now, I think, uh, Dr. Dr. Will, that um, most people's first encounter with COVID was the kind of absolute shutdown. Don't go to work, don't go to school, don't go to church. And that really had a big effect on the economy. Is that something that we're likely to ever recover from? Are we ever going to get back to, you know, quote, the way it was, unquote? You know, I think the answer is yes, and we're heading in that direction. I mean, the the economy is very resilient. You know, we saw that the... um, the unemployment rate, um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, we, we, in April we were at 14.6%. And if you factor in, um, uh, you know, it was a, the data was very messed up, but most of us and even the Bureau of Labor Statistics estimates it's probably closer to 24.9%, 25%. So if you think about a 25% unemployment rate in April, in September it was back down to 7.9. So clearly there is some, uh, some significant uh, recovery that's going on right now in the economy. And so I, I have no doubt that we are able to come back 
And, you know, there's a lot of other nerdy data I could throw at you, like mm-hmm. the production manufacturing index and other things that have really rebounded mm-hmm. um, in, in a manner we did not, I did not anticipate. Mm-hmm. So the answer to your question, the, the long answer, Jim, is yes. <laughs> now, the government's first uh, uh, approach after, after shutting everything down was their usual approach of throw a lot of money at it and everything will be fixed. So they had the kind of what they're calling the first round of uh, money stimulus that, or stimulus cares, that, that, cares was, that was sent out. Uh, was that a good thing, a bad thing, as far as getting the economy back to where it needs to be? Wow. Okay, so luckily this is a radio show and not a, um, a news report soundbite where you have to give a five-second answer. Um, <laughs> so the answer is it was good and bad, short-term, long-term. It's, it's, it's a little confusing. I believe that the government had no choice but to issue the uh, stimulus checks and to issue the PPP loans, and they even expanded the SBA loan process. Um, They have a thing called the EIDL loan process. They they had to do that. And the reason is because they ordered your company to shut down. So if they ordered you to take a, you know, let's say a $10,000 loss in revenue in one week, well, they have an obligation to reimburse you for what they required you to do. I think that's both morally and legally a necessity, and and that's what they did. Um, they made a lot of mistakes along the way, um, and the entire process, whether it was right or wrong, you know, everybody can second guess it. But the reality is that we are going to pay for that in the long term. So we made it, we being society made a short term decision to spend two point two trillion dollars on the CARES Act, and. That's going to come with a major long-term consequence. We will pay this bill. And one of the problems, I think, in society beyond economics is that we are very selfish and that we take now and we put that burden on future generations. And we don't care what happens to those future generations. We say we do, but we don't behave as if we do. And the CARES Act clearly was a short-term necessity, but we're looking to do it again. Why? Because it made us feel good economically. It was a shot in the arm, but it's like a drug. You take too much of it, you're going to become addicted, and it's going to be bad for your health. Well, we're talking about round one, and actually, as we're recording this program, round two of the uh, incentive or the recovery funds are are still being uh, debated, and we'll talk about more of those when we come back here on Faith in Action. When you're tired of doing life alone, come back here. Enjoy the company. We hope you do too. Better together. Catholic Radio Indy. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to Faith in Action. I'm Bridget Ayer. Jim Ganley and I are in the studio, and we're talking with our guest, Dr. Matthew Will. He is the Director of External Relations and the Associate Professor of Finance, for the School of Business at the University of Indianapolis. And we're talking about the economic impact of COVID. And I want to talk real quickly about 
how has Indiana been doing in terms of recovery um, as it relates to other places around the country? You know, the thing that I about that is you almost have to look at where we were before mm-hmm. and what industries were hit. You know, Indiana was in a, in a good place and a bad place relative to this whole COVID situation. The bad place is we are heavily dependent upon tourism, especially here in central Indiana. You know, about 2.5% of our gross state product, about almost $10 billion is tourism. And that industry employs about 83,000 people. And if you think about it, these hotels shut down. So almost every one of those employees were gone and without a job. So think about 83,000 people losing their jobs. And that, that amounts to about $27 billion in wages and about a, over $1 billion in tax revenues. So even after the recovery, so Bridget, you mentioned you know, what, how are we recovering? Even the most optimistic forecast puts it about half. There were going to be half as many visitors coming to the state visiting the convention center, half as many tax revenues, half as many employees, and half as many wages. So that's a really big hit to our economy. And, you know, I was downtown yesterday, and it looks like a ghost town. Mm-hmm. You know, massive buildings that are empty. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, we have benefited where the rest of the country has not from our logistics. We are the largest logistics hub in the world in central Indiana. The world, not, not just, you know, the United States. We have more logistics, third-party logistics distribution centers than you're going to see anywhere. And we have benefited because during COVID, everything is moving. The yeah. goods, it's all about distribution of goods. So that's, we've really benefited from this entire situation that's really, on that side of it. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. I want to get to something you mentioned at the break when we were off the air about the free market economy and the pharmaceutical industry. And, and because that we are a free market economy and because the pharmaceutical industry is a free market um, pharmaceutical industry, it's very, very helpful for us in this COVID. Talk a little bit about that. Oh, you know what? Which I can't say enough about this. This this world should thank God. We should pray to God and thank Him that we have a capitalist pharmaceutical industry in this country, because we are going to save the life of the world. The vaccines, the treatment. I mean, here in our city, one of the two major treatments, antiviral treatments, is being developed by Lilly. They're making it right now. They've asked for emergency usage. You know, it's the thing that President Trump took. You know, they took it from a different, there's two companies. The other company is the one he took from what we understand. This is literally saving the life of the world because of the virus. And it scares me when I hear some of, in the current election season, people talking about nationalizing the health industry, you know, shutting down these pharmaceutical companies, not shutting them down literally, but figuratively by taking them over and controlling them by the government and nationalizing to a one-payer health care system. These are the things that other countries have done that have destroyed their healthcare systems and that have eliminated innovation. There's nobody in the world that could produce the vaccines and the treatments without having the infrastructure we have here in the United States. And so we are very blessed, and it does make me nervous if we were to eliminate that, that wonderful mechanism we have. So is that like comparis- comparing the post office to Amazon delivery? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That is, that's not um, totally unreasonable. I mean, I, I, I give the post office a lot of credit. I mean, they get my letters there in a day and a half. But, you know, 
I would I would say that it's a it's not the best comparison, but it's it's reasonable. All right, I want to move to the um, Trump versus Biden plans toward the recovery. Could you compare those two economic recovery? Um, talk about the plans and what you think about those. You know, the, the, let me tell you the tough part in comparing them is the president has not released any new initiatives. He kind of tweets on them once in a while. Um, so what you can point to is the tax cuts. Right. You can point to the deregulation. You can point to the trade agreements, especially the United um, the agreements with um, the USMCA with Canada and Mexico, the framework that was passed with Europe. So there's a lot of economic accomplishments, you know, record employment, record uh, GDP growth. You know, we've seen the child tax credit go up. We saw small business taxes go down. We saw corporate income tax go to 21%. So we've we've seen a lot of things that has been done. Now, so, but he hasn't really announced much going forward, but the Biden plan has been announced. And it's on his website, and, and you can go and see it yourself. You know, you don't have to just, you know, listen to me. You know, it's at JoeBiden.com. And what he talks about is that he wants to increase, ta- increase taxes on corporations. Um, his plan is to increase taxes, personal income taxes, the rate on people that make over 400000 a year. And that's kind of the headline. But then he also wants to eliminate deductions, but that would go for everybody. So even if you're under 400000 while your rate wouldn't go up, and I'm sure we'll hear, you know, you'll hear that in various, you know, ads. Um, he's big on stimulus. He wants to um, give all the students who borrowed money $10,000 cash. He wants to send more checks directly to citizens. He wants to increase welfare payments across the board, every kind of social welfare program there is. Um, he's announced, again, on his website, he wants to increase regulation of corporations so that government can control more of what they're doing. Um, he wants to loan money to small businesses, which kind of concerns me, you know, because do we want to burden them with more debt? And he said that for now, he's open to shutting the economy down um, if medical experts say to do that. The Hoover Institute, which is this, uh, it is based in uh, Stanford University, one of the most advanced think tanks in the world, they compared the forecast of his plan to the uh, Congressional Budget Office forecast for the year 2030. They estimate that incomes will drop by about $6,500 per household. Um, they estimate that GDP will, will be down $2.6 trillion and that consumption in households will be down $1.5 trillion and we'll have about 4.9 million fewer jobs. So that's their forecast for 2030. In the near term, the stock market kind of likes it because the stock market likes the, the government spending. You know, they realize that in the long term that's harmful, as the Hoover Institute points out. But the mar- stock market is going to like this injection of cash into the economy and the government just giving money away. Um, but we saw what happened in Greece and Italy and, and Cyprus when the government gives money away because eventually you've got to pay for that. So um, people can get – now you go out and speak, right, to um, groups at churches uh, and you have a website. Talk a little bit about what's there for, in terms of resources. Well, if you want to, if you want to reach me – so if you want to um, either compliment or send me a nasty gram, you can do so. <laughs> Feel free. I, I've got a thick skin. So it's mattwill.com, M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L.com. You can, you know, if you want, you can see all about my classes. It's all public information, my Twitter account. I've got some cool articles on why capitalism is awesome. I'm a huge fan of capitalism. 
Um, at the same time, I'm a huge fan of charity. So I always like to tell people, don't become filthy rich unless you are obscene about giving your money away as well. So um, we did have, we've got about, about three minutes left. We did have a pretty big economic boom under the Trump uh, time. What, what do you really attribute that to? Well, you know what, there's a number of factors that went into that. Um, I would say, first of all, the deregulation. Yes, the tax cuts paid a, played a positive role, but the deregulation more than anything um, was a very positive aspect. Now, let me talk a little bit about trade. You know, I was a critic of President Trump's approach to trade because I'm a big free market person. I believe free trade is the way to go. And at the beginning, when he, when he instituted a lot of tariffs, I was highly critical because a tariff is not a tariff. It's not a tax on China. You know, the president likes to say it's a tax on China and China's going to pay. That's not true. A tariff is a tax on you and me. Because if something being shipped into this country from China increases in cost by 15%, guess what? We're going to pay 15% more. So it's a tax on you and me. Now, I was critical, and I, and I am still critical of the tactic, but I can't argue with the results. The results are pretty impressive. Um, again, I was critical of the a tactic, but the results of the USMCA have been, you know, the North American New Free Trade Agreement has been more than I would have expected, much better. Uh, we've seen the trade with Europe that's improved dramatically as a result. And there's a, the framework of an agreement with China. I, I question whether China will ever truly agree to a free trade agreement. But the result has been more free trade. And more free trade is nothing but good for the economy. And I think part of the booming economy we saw was this free trade outcome, you know, in the back of, the, of NAFTA. And I thought NAFTA was a decent um, agreement. I think the USMCA is much better, but in the back of NAFTA were pages and pages of tariffs. If you go to the back of the USMCA, you see almost nothing. It's pages of blank. In fact, when I first read it, I thought, oh, there must be a typo here. And then I checked on it, and no, it's actually zero tariffs. The only tariffs that exist are the tariffs for Canadian dairy. That's uh, a very strong lobby in Canada, so they got dairy tariffs put in to protect themselves from competition from Wisconsin and, and the northern states. But I would say the biggest thing was free trade, tax cuts, deregulation. Um, I'm, I'm a little critical of the spending. I, I think the president tends to uh, spend more money than we need to. That's going to come home to roost, as I mentioned earlier. I'm not a fan of that. And I, I'm not, um, I question whether that, well, I know it wasn't good economic, fiscal policy, uh, but I understand, you know, in the world of politics, giving money away is really popular. Well, we're out of time. Um, you've been very interesting here. We, our guest has been Dr. Matthew Will, the Director of External Relations and Associate Professor of Finance for the School of Business for the University of Indianapolis. Um, thank you so much for giving us your perspective. And for more um, of Dr. Matt Will, you can get him at www.mattwill.com. Thanks so much for being our guest today. You have been listening to Faith in Action, the program that looks at how people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is a presentation of Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear this episode of Faith in Action again or any past episode at catholicradioindy.org. If you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future program, please call us at 317-870-8400. 
or email jim at catholicradioindy.org.